You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. I've uh, been out and about with my dad and my brother uh, over the last few weeks. We've been having a great time. Had my uh, sister-in-law come in town. My uh, 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 mother-in-law came in town, too. We had a great time and uh, had a lot of fun with my, my family over the last few weeks and had a great time. And so what I want to do this morning, I'm going to share with you just a picture real quick. Here's a picture of my dad and uh, my brother. I think we're going to get it. Um, there it is. And uh, we're in the back country. And you notice we're wearing Fathers in the Field hats. Uh, it's a great ministry we're going to share with you today. I'm excited about doing that. Uh, my dad is 71 years old, and we put on about 50 to 60 miles of hiking in the backcountry chasing quail. And so he is a, a great uh, example for me. Uh, our, our story of how we grew up as a family was despite uh, the teenage rebellious years, we always had something to come back to with dad, and that was the outdoors. Um, And so that's my brother right there, uh, part of the Duck Dynasty look right there. (laughs) They always give me a hard time and tell me that, that, you know, when are you going to grow out your beard? Uh, Where's your man card? I need to pull that thing from you. And I say, well, I'm married to a hot wife, and she doesn't like a beard, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, So I do what she says. Every time they come in town, I'm like, is it beard season yet? And she's like, no, it's not. So, uh, but this is my younger brother. He's my best friend. Uh, He helped me start the church. Uh, Many of you know that already. David, he's an incredible man. Next year, we'll be celebrating 10 years as a church. Uh, about what God's done in the life of our church, and uh, I'll I'll make sure he's here for that. Uh, We had a great time. My dog put on, uh, later this week, I'll put on social media, my dog put on about 100 miles in 10 days, and so she's tuckered out. She's pretty tired, Uh, but we had a great time in the backcountry. Well, I want to say thank you as a church. I heard things went great. Uh, Pastor Joshua and the rest of the team did a fantastic job, and all of you volunteering, so thank you for that. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> I want to say as well, I, I uh, sat down with our accountant and talked through all the numbers and heard all the reports, and it was really encouraged. So uh, specifically, uh, I mentioned uh, right uh, in, I think it was uh, December, we talked about a, a giving initiative towards our campus development to help us finish out some significant projects. And we added the turf field to our uh, front multi-purpose building. And then we talked about uh, building a very nice, uh, safe and secure wall that we wanted to build. And uh, so we had a couple families step forward and said, hey, we'll give above and beyond our general fund giving towards our campus development projects as the church is expanding. And so we had a matching gift of of $40,000 come in, and we were real encouraged about that. And you guys responded, and you more than met that goal, and you exceeded that goal. So can we give thanks for that? So good job. It was really encouraging. Our general fund giving went really well for uh, December. Um, Our hope offering is as well. It's growing as in our hope offering uh, helps fuel and fund all of our local and global outreach initiatives, which we're pressing forward like stronger than we ever have 
before at this church with our work on the Navajo Nation, with our work down in Mexico, with our work in Fathers in the Field, which I'll share with you more about as we move forward today. So um, what I want to do is, as well, just make mention of, we've uh, modified our logo, if you've noticed, and it has an outdoors appeal. Uh, Part of this is because of Phoenix and the outdoors culture that we have. We have more sunshine than any other state around, uh, and uh, it's a wonderful valley to be outside. Um, Part of my personal story and journey has been is using recreation as a tool, Uh, to build bridges with people. And so um, what we've done is that little uh, mountainscape that you can see there is actually a reflection of the Sonoran foothills behind us. The arrow, the mountain is also serves as an arrow pointing towards our compass as north. Uh, We are North Valley. um, And you say, well, um, it's North Valley is our first name. Church is our last name. Community is our middle name. And so we'll go by oftentimes North Valley, and what I want you to understand is who we're going to specifically target and reach is the folks that enjoy the outdoors. We're going to be for all people, but we will have a niche. Our niche will be, uh, increasingly, it will be to engage those that enjoy uh, outdoor, sporty outdoors. If you like to hike, if you like to hunt, if you like to bike, If you like to uh, be in the outdoors, camp, or any of those kinds of things, this church will have this kind of unique feel uh, for that. You can think of other churches that have used sports programs specifically to help uh, reach uh, people for Jesus Christ. This church will be uh, a church that will increasingly work to bridge the gap and use outdoors as a a bridge to our uh, culture and our community around us. So I'm excited that as we launch forward in that, uh, it's about, we're coming up on 10 years, and I think it's very important, as I've said before, in the first 10 years of a church, if they're planting, it's the startup phase. Um, We have started up, and we're stable. We're very, we're not only stable, we're incredibly strong. Our second 10 years that we're going to be going into uh, will be the build-up phase. Every ministry, every mission program that we have will be built stronger and stronger. Um, And then the third 10 years... I'll just call that the blow-up stage, not where it blows up and it's gone, but it it exponentially grows. Um, And you can see that the valley is all coming around, building and growing and everything. And God has positioned us in this season, in this time, at a church called North Valley. And so um, we have a great uh, privilege, a great opportunity. Everybody could say that and see that when they step onto our campus. This feels like a really cool opportunity to be a part of. And it's also a great responsibility. And so today, I want to clarify with you, I think one of our greatest responsibilities, and I started on day one with this idea and vision, and it's taken some ups and downs, and I want to share with it to you today uh, more clearly. I'm going to call it a story of a gospel calling. I'll tie it to my personal life and then show how it makes sense for all of us as Christians. Um, Uh, About nine years ago, I adopted a child by the name of Maya. I've got a picture uh, that I want to show you. Uh, This is perhaps one of the most special photographs that I have. Um, That's the day of adoption day. And what that means is, is that's the day where all the legal rights are transferred from the power of the state to our family. And we legally uh, 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 now have possession of Maya as our daughter. 
um, when the judge uh, brought the gavel down on, the, uh, on her desk that day, Maya immediately shot her arms up in the air like this. She knew in that moment she was not an orphan child anymore, but she was our child, and she had a permanent father, a permanent mother, and she had brand new brothers and sisters. It is incredible. Um, what got me to this position, listen to this, what got me to this place and this position to adopt was actually the Bible. Um, it didn't come to me. I had people, preachers and teachers, share these incredible sad stories about all the orphan children, and it was a massive emotional appeal, and I would sit there with my wife and say, she's crying like crazy, and there's a call for orphan care, and I would be frustrated. I'm like, I'm not motivated by this. And uh, what happened, though, was I began to study the Bible and I said to myself, I want to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ at the greatest level. If you want to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a couple things that you need to do. Number one is trust your life to Jesus Christ. Then you experience his, his grace and his mercy and his favor, and you feel, man, I'm forgiven, I'm free. That's gospel love. Secondly, you get married. Because when you get married, it's a picture, according to Ephesians, it's a picture of unconditional love and unconditional respect that you give one another in marriage. And it's this powerful metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses to uh, reflect the gospel. Third, which most people never get the chance to do, is adoption. Because when you adopt a child, you take on the role in the heart of the father. And you, you bring in a kid who apart from intervention, is going to be left alone, separated, and in, in dire need and destruction, perhaps. Uh, orphans make up most of our prison systems. Orphans make up most of our crime statistics. And so what I want to do is just lay down a foundation of a passage for you that, sh that shows this massive need that we need in our culture for uh, engaging orphans. Years ago, when I first uh, uh, came out and we talked about uh, securing this property, uh, we had a big vision that we wanted the south lot. The south lot, uh, we called it at one time in pri more private conversations, I called it Hope Fields. And I was hoping that maybe that we could use this as a model, as a, as a, as a field that we would trawl Major League Baseball players and then create awareness about the foster care crisis. Well, the sad news is, is that property got locked up and it sold and now it's going to be developed and that dream died. Um, and I thought to myself, Lord, I wanted to start this church and create a special unique approach to doing great causes and serving fatherless children and I thought that was going to be it. Well, that, that dream died. I'm meeting with the developers in a couple of weeks. It will be storage facility. It's not going to be, uh, it's maybe, it's not going to have a lot of traffic every day, maybe 10 customers a day. But that south lot within six months will be a very nice climate controlled air conditioned uh, uh, storage facility. 
So I thought, Lord, did my dream die? What happens? Uh, I thought we were supposed to reach uh, fatherless children. I thought we were to be a voice to those that were in great need in this great valley. And I thought that was it. And God brought in this ministry called Fathers of the, in the Field. And it's a ministry where we equip and encourage men in our church to be mentor fathers to fatherless children. And what I want to do this morning is I want to show you how the Bible has a, a powerful uh, invitation for you to understand your identity, which determines your activity. When you understand who you are, you can better understand what you should be doing. So let's look at the uh, Apostle Paul's work in Ephesians. He writes this. He's talking about the goodness of God the Father. He says in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So we were chosen, were sought out, and loved he says, as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. That means he planned it. He purposed it. Uh, for us, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. It all happens through Jesus Christ. That cross is a symbol of a bridge that it all works through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid for your adoption. Uh, Jesus Christ gave up his own life for that. Uh, it says, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. It was this very passage that gave me the confidence and the courage to say, my very identity is I am a person who has been adopted by God the Father through Jesus Christ. And if that is true, I am a child of God, and you are a child of God that's been adopted into this family, then we have an incredible identity, and we have an incredible, uh, perhaps, activity that we need to be involved in. And I come up, I, you know, I want to just slow down and, and make two points on this passage. Number one, um, this signals to us that this is not just a good cause, this idea of adoption. Um, it's not just a good cause, it's actually a gospel calling. Because uh, what it is, is this idea of ministering to the orphans and ministering to the fatherless, it's all throughout the scriptures. And the apostle James uh, says this, religion that is pure, James 1.27, and undefiled before God the Father is this, it's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep a oneself unstained from the world. Uh, this is a popular passage that we've all looked at. Um, the Apostle James makes this exhortation that here's the purest uh, form of Christian religion is that we are engaging and loving the orphan. Now, we often think of that word as visit, and we think uh, just a maybe just going and visiting an orphanage or uh, showing up and maybe sending some money, but this word visit in the original language has far more implications than just a little uh, touching base with some child that uh, is a fatherless child 
or is missing a mother or whatever. It's the idea of actually invested into financially, uh, caring for, making sure the needs are, th- are in place. It's taking care of is the idea. And I was thinking about this, um, how Christianity became the largest religion in the world um, and, and thinking about how uh, orphan care played a part in the rise of Christianity. Rodney Stark is a sociologist, uh, a thinker, uh, a lecturer, a professor, and he made mention of this, is that when we often think about the rise of Christianity, we have to include orphan care as part of the success and the story and the glory of, the, of our Christian faith. We are the largest Christian religion in the world, the largest religion in the world, and our early beginnings, um, the church, Christians were involved in caring for fatherless uh, children. Many times we look back in history and think, okay, well, the rise of early Christianity, maybe it was the miracles that Jesus did. I mean, he turned water into wine. He did all these wonderful, cool things that were powerful. Or maybe it was um, not the miracles. Maybe it was the miracles plus the martyrdom that really gained the attraction and the attention of the early church. I mean, people were willing to die for their faith. They were in the Colosseum in the first and second and third century. People were dying for their faith, and this sent shockwaves throughout the Roman Empire and around the world that Christians would be willing to die for their faith as a martyr. Uh, Tertullian even said it was the blood of the martyrs that was the seed of the church. And so we often think about maybe the miracles, the martyrdom. And then some people would say, well, I know what really got Christianity moving. It was Constantine when he made it a state religion and everybody became Christians. But Rodney Stark, along with other uh, thinkers and theologians and historians would say, no, that's not it at all. Yes, it absolutely had an impact in the rise of Christianity, but what actually made Christianity what it is today and the largest religion in the world and also the fastest growing religion in the first, second, and third century and the most influential religion in the beginning and that big takeoff was that they offered, Christians were offering a new way to live, a radically and attractively redefining how man relates to God and how man relates to other mankind. See, Christianity uh, was a message of the gospel was for all people, all races, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. It didn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you were a Jew, if you were a Greek, the message was for everybody. And Christianity was this movement among people groups all around throughout the Roman Empire that made it incredibly attractive. You didn't, it wasn't just for one elite group. And even some people would twist uh, the, the Christian faith and talk about the Jewish uh, emphasis that was there, but the Jews were always called to be a light among all other nations, to, be a, uh, uh, to shine and to share the love of God for all people. Um, it was not only that it was a message that was for all ethnicities, but it was also the way they treated women. Um, the treatment of women in early Christianity was very, very progressive compared to uh, the Greco-Roman world. And so uh, they're inviting women into uh, areas of service and ministry and making a difference and making an impact in the early church. And this is very contrary to the style and the approach within the Greco-Roman world. But perhaps what was one of the largest influencers and 
and catalyst for growth in the early church was the value of all human life. Christians were always opposed to abortions. Christians valued all of life, and they valued the child that was deformed. They, ch- they valued the child that was uh, um, sick and sickly, the child that was fatherless. And many times in that culture, there was this, uh, perhaps this deep, gnawing uh, guilt and conscience within even the pagans uh, the, that would have a child that was deformed. They were told by their culture and their friends and their family, that child does not need to live. Therefore, they would take a child that perhaps was deformed, or maybe if it was a female and they were expecting a male, they would take that child, abandon that child, leave that child to suffer in the elements of the outdoors, be eaten by animals or whatever. And it was the Christians that showed up. And they were taking care of these children uh, from generation to generation. The church was built on many, many fatherless kids and families that had strong families were extending the family far beyond the biological family and they were calling themselves a family, going in and rescuing little kids that needed rescue and then families that found out that perhaps were guilty were funding the church because they saw the good works and here's what you've got even today that even non-Christians, when we get involved with doing orphan care or building houses in Mexico, people care about that stuff because they see it's a radical need. And they say, I'll give financially to that. I want to be a part of that because something in us says this is a noble cause. This is a wonderful thing to do. Everybody needs a family. And so what we see in the early church is, yes, there were uh, miracles that... uh, that took place and catalyzed this impact of Christianity. Yes, there was martyrdom. Yes, Constantine made it a state religion, but it was the way that the people engaged with one another. Social services weren't a program of the government. It was the church that invaded places of darkness and despair when there were sicknesses or plagues or pandemics. It was the church that mobilized and said, we want to be involved. We want to serve. We want to do something. And so I would say this is not just a good cause as to what we're talking about with this idea of launching Fathers in the Field, a ministry to provide mentor fathers to fatherless children right here in our valley. This is a gospel calling. It's a gospel calling in the sense that uh, just as we have been adopted into the uh, uh, family of God through the work of Jesus Christ, we can, in a sense, adopt a child through a father-mentor, fatherless-child relationship. Years ago, I thought maybe our church would be the leading church in foster care and adoption. That's probably the hardest thing you could ever do in life. I had no idea on that day when I adopted Maya what the journey was going to be like over the next nine to ten years, but it's incredibly challenging. And not everybody's called to do that, but everybody's called to engage at some level or another to uh, love our neighbors and to help the poor, help the needy. And this call for orphan care, I think, is for all of us at some level or another. So let me tell you about what's going on in our country and uh, uh, help you understand a little bit of the details behind that. 74% of urban America is fatherless. This is a major problem. Uh, The next few decades, 
I pray that this church becomes a very strong church with a biological family, a loving husband, a loving wife, a husband who understands his role as the head of the home, just as Christ is the head of the church, lovingly leads and sacrifices and serves his wife, and a wife who supports, respects, defers, and submits to her husband, and they have a good team, and they love their family, and they serve gospel love to each other, and so much so that there's a strength and a stability that they can extend in that love and care beyond their own household and love kids in the community because 74% of our country right now is moving into this fatherless uh, place and position. I've got a dad. He's 71 years old. I love my old man. We spend a lot of time together. He gives me the courage to do what I need to do a lot of times. I need to hear the words of my dad A lot of folks don't have that privilege and that opportunity, but they could have a father mentor. What's happening in suburban America? Suburban America, 44% of suburban America is fatherless. So this is right here in the burbs. Right here in our own little area, 44% of our area is uh, fatherless. That means that a lot of families, single moms um, and children, fatherless kids, Uh, are in desperate need of just some support, some care. Uh, Single moms are the largest demographic in the United States for the unchurched. Single moms are the largest demographic in the U.S., and that should be for the unchurched, is what that should say. So what we're doing as a church right now is we're, we're adjusting. I say it all the time as part of our axioms at North Valley and staff training. I say we need to always assess and we, ev- and we adjust as necessary. This is an adjustment. We're going we're gonna to reach more single moms in the next 10 years than we ever have in the first 10 years. Uh, why is that? Because we understand that the largest unchurched demographic in the United States is single moms and then 25 million fatherless children under the age of 18 or in the U.S. right now. So we have a massive need in our culture, in our own community, and we have a responsibility as believers to share and show the love of Jesus Christ, and here's who we need to reach. And so what the Bible says is this, is learn to do good. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, Bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. I want to just pause for a moment and help you kind of grasp these two words. One is the orphan, and then two are the fatherless, and the other is the widow. I would argue that uh, our fatherless and our orphans are, are, and the widow is the single mom with a boy or a girl without a father. This is the group of people that are vulnerable and need support. The single moms in our own church, they're wonderful people that have an incredible strength, but they need support. And our church needs to be that support, not only for the people in our own church, but for the people in the community at large. And what I want to do is I want to invite up uh, John Smith Baker. He's the founder of Fathers in the Field uh, with me and, uh, and help give a little bit of clarity more 
about what Fathers in the Field is all about, and then why is this an important moment. So would you welcome with me on the stage John Smithbaker. All right, we're going to grab a couple chairs there, John, and, and get going. Thank you so much, Josh. All right. So, John, I, I guess I've described fathers in the field, but maybe you could clarify just a little bit, a little bit more about what it is. So, I'm super glad you're here. You've come out of, you, you flew in from Denver area. Uh, yeah, well, California, because I was California setting up a church over there. You California go. setting yeah. up a church over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you did a great job. There is no doubt that we now live in a fatherless nation. And uh, Fathers in the Field uh, really mobilizes God's greatest assets in a church. And it's really the untapped utilization of godly men sitting there wondering how to get involved. Because for the most part, most churches, not this church obviously, but the men have been left behind. They've been ridiculed and, and downcast uh, throughout the past you know, decades. And I just want to congratulate you for having a wonderful pastor that has the heart of God, and it's the heart for fathers and the widows in distress. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I paid him to say that, so, yeah. Now, I, um, John, this is a special day. I mean, you are an Arizonan. Is that right? That's correct. Born and raised. And so, and you're in Denver, and Fathers in the Field is like a national ministry, right? So it's all over the country. You partner with churches. You help, you basically help the senior pastor uh, cast a vision or at least uh, understand that this is not just a, another ministry. This is a major mission opportunity. So you're, you're the one who helped me understand that single moms are the largest demographic of the unchurched in the United States. Yes. Um, we are not a parachurch ministry that I, I would hope one day God puts us out of ministry because this is what the local church should be doing. We should not have a need of our ministry, but sadly we do. The church, this should be the heart of the church since the heart of God. And we're in uh, 36 states now. We've been around for about 10 years and steadily growing. And we're in well over 500 churches now and uh, thousands of men uh, doing God's work. And it's just a privilege that uh, God would use a wretch like me, a fatherless boy, to be a voice and advocate for the fatherless. And uh, what we do is we come alongside these shepherds who are overwhelmed they see need all around them. Mm. They don't know how to help everybody. And what we have to do is understand as a church that he is supposed to preach the word of God. We are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But most people want to sit there and listen and not get engaged. And pastors are under great stress that they feel like they have to do it all. And pastors are washing out of church on a great level because they are overworked and overwhelmed. We as a church, myself included, have to step up, not just in the fatherless issue, all around. And it's an important issue because most of these men, and I know you didn't know I was going to say this, don't have a lot of people to talk to. They're, they're just men, sinners just like us, that struggle to lead God's people and that they know they're held doubly accountable. Mm. 
So pray for them, support them, be the hands and feet in Jesus in your community. Don't leave it up just to your shepherd. Hmm. That's good. Well, this, this day is a special day for you. Uh, you and I talked on the phone, and I said, John, I don't want to show a video. I don't want to talk about anything else uh, for a personal testimony. I want to talk about you because it was a God moment on the phone the other day that God was doing something in your heart. And I think is unique about this experience that is that I've always seen this church as a first church. We're like, we're the first church in this area that you drive along and see the church on the freeway. We're the first church ever to come onto these grounds and redeem it in the name of Jesus from a bar, a restaurant, a wedding venue and say, this is a place that Jesus Christ will be exalted and worshiped and people's lives will be redeemed. And we're the first church in Arizona to launch Fathers in the Field. Is that right? Amen. Yeah. So Amen. we're, we're going to launch it today. And so I said, John, uh, you said to me a very statement. You said, this is pretty unique that God's using this opportunity. So why don't you share why this is, day is redemptive for you in some, on a personal level? I take back everything I said about that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it hit me when I was talking to Pastor Ryan that... 58 years ago, 58 years ago, my dad abandoned me, my sister, and my mom. And that's what really the start of the Fathers and Field Ministry happened on that day. And in Arizona? Yes, I was born and raised in Arizona. In Arizona, he abandoned his post and left his children and his wife to fend for themselves. And how God has redeemed that in my life. I was saved at 40 years old. And, and just 18 years ago today, I was redeemed. And now he has taken that full circle and brought it back to Arizona and planted his church to be a defender of the fathers. It's amazing. I have a cousin here that attends your church that knows the story. I have a, a buddy here that attends that knew me as a child and knew a, how, what a wretched sinner I was. But God reached down and adopted a fatherless boy so I could be a voice for the fatherless. Mm. But I can't do it alone. These pastors can't do it alone. We need your help because this is God's heart, and we are to get involved in some way. And I have to share with you. I mean, you can tell it's, it, it picks a scab, um, bumps into my hurts and wounds, but I remember the first time I heard the name Jesus. My mom, working two jobs, she had to stick me in daycare all day because she worked two jobs. Nobody to talk to. I was wondering where everybody is. Where's everybody? And then we were cuddled along side each other to the little heater we had in our house. And she's crying out to Jesus for help. Mm. That's what happens when God's plan for the family is broken. It's devastating. These children are broken, hurting, crying out for help by acting out, desperate for attention, lonely, and mostly they are angry. 
because their hero has left them behind. The man that was supposed to be their hero has left them behind to fend for themselves, to figure it out for themselves. And that's why this is so critical. This is the heart of God. When you read the Bible, it is all about adoption. We all need to be adopted in his family. And if you're not adopted, you need to think about it because that's a legal requirement to enter his home in heaven. Hmm. It's good stuff. I want to pause and just pray for you. Lord, I thank you right now for John Smith Baker, fathers in the field, and we collectively just say thank you for taking perhaps one of the greatest, most painful experiences in his life and using it, Lord, for your glory and for the good of thousands and thousands of others. In the mighty name of Jesus, we rejoice and we celebrate and we give praise that you do that kind of transformation and work in people's lives and take something that is wrong and evil and you can turn it for good. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's celebrate that for just a second. It's awesome. That's really, really, really amazing. Um, John, thank you for sharing that. I want to share just a couple of things on what we can do. Uh, four things we can do as a church, and then we're going to commission some men here today together. Praise but, God. but number one, I would just say you can give financially. Each time we pair a mentor father to a fatherless boy, it does cost the church. So uh, we want to supply uh, gear, equipment, uh, resources, materials, materials. Uh, uh, John uh, raises money for his organization and offsets so much of the cost. But as a church, we need to build up a cash reserves in our hope offering so that we fuel and fund ministry to fatherless uh, boys and mentor fathers that every time that they take on a child, that they're fully funded. And so roughly 500 bucks per per fatherless mentor and mentor child. Some of you today, I just say, if you want to give towards that and sponsor one kid, 500 bucks, two kids, 1,000, three, 1,500, that can help us get moving with that. Do you mind if I just jump on that? I had to learn this lesson hard when I first started the ministry. And I knocked on the first door that the single mom had reached out to us. And I was so excited and I said, hey, we can't wait to mentor your son. And she was thrilled. You could see the joy and the excitement on her face. And then I said, hey, the mentor father is going to take him out hiking and hunting. Would you make sure he had a good pair of boots and, and shoes? Too much. Her complete continent changed, and she started weeping. And she says, I'm barely putting food on the table. Does that mean my son can't participate? Mm. And that's when we change that. We supply these boots every year for the commitment so they have a pair of boots to do something, yeah. in addition to other things. But it just shows you the importance. Yeah, it is. And, and that's a good story because you need to grasp that visual. And we are, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are a church of resources. And we are to give those resources to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Hope offering is that bucket in which we put our funds into and so when you give towards the hope offering, we will allocate money for every fatherless mentor or fatherless child and father mentor. Boom, they're funded. So let's not have a shortage there. Remember when you give towards the hope offering above and beyond your regular general fund giving, these are one of the initiatives that we're going to fund and to do that. And we want to do a good job. Secondly, people can just serve. 
So men, women, there's all sorts of service opportunities. You're doing uh, a special luncheon today after service to talk about service opportunities. Uh, men, you, you have a very unique calling in this. You are the father, the father mentor uh, for this kid. Uh, we have three we're going to commission today, but I want to challenge you to consider doing this. I've challenged you for years to foster or adopt. This is easier than that, and it's still hard. But I'm not going to char- charge you to do anything that's super easy. I'm just telling you, if you're going to adopt a child, game changer in life forever, forever, forever. Foster a kid, major commitment. Father mentor, a less commitment. But I would say perhaps one of the greatest impacts you will ever make in your life it would be, be a father mentor. It will enter you into the father's heart of gospel love. You will experience what it's like to have the father's heart towards this child. This is different than your biological child. This is not the same. So I want to challenge you to serve, uh, specifically men in the father mentor role. I want to challenge all of us to pray. Uh, Pray for the ministry. Pray for this, the first church, and that uh, we become a a flagship church over the next 10 years. Um, And we want to have John involved uh, with us in the uh, upcoming development of it. We've got great leadership. I'm excited about introducing. And then fourthly is share. Please get the word out to every single mom out there outside of our church uh, that are your neighbors, your coworkers, that our church, our church will support them at no cost to them. We'll come alongside of them and help uh, meet a massive need that is not only a massive need in our country, but in our state and in our community. And when you, when you come to the meeting after the second service, it doesn't mean you're committing to be a mentor father. Come hear me speak about really the, the beauty of it. And, and then we encourage you to go back and pray if, if you're being called by God. So I just want to make sure you understood that because you show up doesn't mean you're committing. Right. You're just hearing about the heart of God. For and men fathers. and women can show up to that. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, men... A lot of times, husbands, to do things, we need our wife's support and them to say, you know, go get them. So we encourage, you know, yeah. women to be there as well. And I'll be there at that. You can grab your lunch and then come on in here. So um, at this point, I want to invite the best part of our service, Josh Edsfold, up. He served, is serving as our uh, church champion. You guys give him a round of applause. So uh, Josh, Josh has, uh, let's come over here. Josh has decided to, uh, he was the one who brought me the news originally. And he said, Ryan, I think Fathers in the Field is exactly just the calling that God has that would fit your passion for the outdoors, your passion for the, uh, the fatherless children. You've got to meet John Smith Baker. And that was for about two years or a year and a half. Yeah. It was a bit. And so finally we got connected and we're so excited. We've been planning this for months and months and months this day right here. Yes, sir. So um, Josh, why don't you invite up uh, the men, the first three men that we're going to commission. Okay. Could we get uh, Phil Steenstra, Todd Kehoe, and Ed Black, please join us on stage. So we are really, we're really excited about this because these are, these are three guys that... Um, I mean, they, they got fired up and excited for this. So Let's I, all squeeze in so yeah, we can get it right so here. We got folks watching just, us. And 
so all over the country. These guys are part of the ministry. These are going to be the first three uh, mentor fathers. They're going to step into this role. And, uh, and so we're going to commission them from stage today, but we're just so honored that, that these guys are a part of this and, uh, and that they're leading the charge. Will you start us off and, and pray, Josh, and then yeah. John, if you'll, mm-hmm. and then I'll close us. So, Father God, thank you so much for the gift of today, God. Um, we're just grateful, grateful that uh, you brought this ministry to uh, North Valley Community Church mm-hmm. and that this is a church that uh, is going to lead the charge. God, we're so grateful for these three men um, that are going to step into this role as mentor fathers, that are going to step in and, uh, and stand in the gap uh, of a fatherless boy's life, going to share the gospel in a fatherless boy language. And, uh, and God, we're so grateful for their leadership and, uh, and their, their um, willingness to step in as, as unordinary, or un- ordinary men who uh, are just are ready to get after this. So God, we just ask for your blessing over them, uh, ask for your blessing over this ministry, and uh, just ask for you to give them strength, wisdom, guidance, and discernment as they lead these fatherless boys. Oh, dear God, Father, first, Lord, thank you for allowing us to call you Father. Abba, Father, Lord, thank you for your adoption and your family. Lord, these men that you have raised, you knew they were going to do this from the foundation of the world, Lord, that they were going to show your heart to those who need a male godly male in their lives. Lord, thank you for raising these missionaries. Think about that. These are missionaries to the fields of the fatherless in our own community. Lord, be with them, anoint them, protect them, Lord, guide them. Let your Holy Spirit speak through them, Lord, of a father that will never leave or forsake. Thank you for these men, my heroes, and may the mighty name of Jesus always just just shine through each of you. Lord, we as a church are grateful today that today we commission three wonderful men, uh, Ed Black, Phil Seenstra, and Todd Kehoe, uh, men who have experienced your grace, have been adopted into your family, made a commitment to the church family, and have proven worthy uh, to bring the calling and the, the care to the fatherless. I pray for the gospel experience in their own lives. Might you deepen them, strengthen them, support them, overwhelm them with the goodness of God over their life. And Father, as they get the chance to engage with these boys, might they, uh, Lord, those boys uh, take a turn for the good and trust you and see the healing and the hope. And Father, might this just be the beginning of a great work for this church Uh, Lord, might your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and we commission these men today. Amen. 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 Let's celebrate them one more time. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.